Hello, everyone. I'm Jacqueline Peterson, and you've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts and company leaders gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. And we're in the studio today on this beautiful day in Milwaukee, and we have with us Lynn Molitor. Hello. Tim Muma. Hey, everybody. And Jamie Goble. Hello. So once again, we have a plethora of topics to dive into. And if you guys are actually okay with it, I'd kind of like to kick us off today. Yes. Sure. All right. So training new employees. This season now, you know, college graduates are are approaching graduation in a few weeks, four to six weeks or so. Um, So they're starting to look for jobs. And then there's other people who are applying for internships. So hiring is definitely on the forefront of many, many people's minds. It impacts job seekers as well as employers. So I just wanted to maybe talk to you guys about, um, because we're doing a little bit of hiring on communications. Uh, What is your one best practice that you can share to with me and our listeners out there who might be hiring some new employees just to make their transition really, really successful. Like if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? I can start. Okay. Preparation. All right. Be prepared and let the and give the impression. Or maybe that's not, I mean, not the impression, but actually, <laughs> actually do, it. do it. Be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared so that the person knows that you're ready and want them on your team. All right. I have heard from friends and family when they've started new jobs, their first day, it's as if no one knew that they were coming. Oh, you boy. know, so mm-hmm. you know, down here, you know, at, at Local Job Network, we're very into process and we really try and make the person's first day uh, a positive one. Right. And I'm always surprised when I hear other people talk about, you know, they weren't ready for me. They sat me in a cube. I didn't have anything to do. So that's mine. So be prepared. All right. Make sure that they we've been waiting for them to come and we've got stuff yes. for them to do. And we're happy that they're here. Right. All right. Yeah. Preparation. Okay. That's a good one, Lynn. And kind of going off of what you said in terms of um, positivity in there, I was just getting some examples online because I actually deal with this all the time. I'm so immersed in it that I couldn't think of just one thing. <laughs> so it's like something helped me, enlighten me. Um, and one of the things that jumped out with, at me was the positive learning environment. I think that is really, really important because as people are coming on board, you have to get a sense of their skills and abilities and you have to be patient. And sometimes oh, yeah. when you're not patient or it's not catching on and clicking with them, it can be misconstrued with, you know, being negative. And people learn better when it's a positive environment Mm. and, you know, give them a break. They're new. Let them get acclimated. And so I thought that was a really good one. I like that because you're right. You know, you might be getting a lot more questions than you you are used to. And then you don't want to make it seem like they shouldn't ask questions. Exactly. So. Yeah, I like that. Patience. One, I think both both of you brought up the idea of being positive that first day, that first week. I had a guest on a while back, and he always marveled at how companies just, I don't know, they did not make that experience good. And it's like, why do you want that to be the first impression of your company or their work environment? So I think think both of you hit on that. That's a, a huge thing. The one thing I would throw in there personally is... And I, I guess I don't know the best way to phrase it, but it has to do with culture. But, you know, Lynn, you talk about processes and obviously those are important and we lay those out. So that's sort of in front of the new employee. But I also think it's sort of those behind the scene things that happen and, and the 
letting them know like, okay, this is what it says here, but just understand like sometimes this occurs. Sort of the things that you can't plan for to give them a heads up. Because I think we've all probably been in that situation and even myself when I started here that, you know, maybe it was laid out one way, but sort of in the everyday process of things, okay, you need to actually speak in this way or communicate this way. Uh, just so you don't feel like, oh, I failed. I, you know, that new employee doesn't feel like, oh, I just, I already failed. I made, I made someone mad already. Oh, right. Because I didn't know, well, this is how it works here. You know, Good we always, point. we yes. always talk about on our shows to try to look into the culture of the organization before mm-hmm. you interview. So you have that idea, but you can't really get a feel for it till you're in it. Like you are right there inside of it. And I think you can help yeah. that new employee by saying, maybe just taking them aside and say, you know, I liked what you were doing there with the process with this person, but this is kind of a better way to handle it. Um, just right off the bat so that there's less confusion, I guess. It is hard to teach culture. Yes. Right. Um, right. And you can try and like give an overview of culture, but sometimes it really comes to the down to the specific situations. And I like your idea. It's like, yeah, pull them aside and just like, hey, I want, you know, not like you're yelling at them or like they did anything wrong, but just to say, hey, this is the way we do things here. It right. may not be that, you know, the way you did things at the other place. Right. And I just think to, to be open and honest about it in a, in a positive way, not to say, you know, your way is wrong or our way is better or whatever. But, you know, as if, if my manager, my new manager can let me know, then I won't make a fool of myself in front of the higher ups or in mm-hmm. front of a different department or the whole organization at some function. Uh, I, I just think that's I think that's big. I think it helps with confidence and trusting oh, you know, yeah. the people that are, you're working with. It's like, you know, you're you're at a, a first team meeting. You've got other people from other departments there and you're like, hey, we're a very collaborative bunch. And, you know, you know, feel free to add your your opinions. And, you know, then they start really adding their. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. That's what you're kind right. of, you know. Pl- yeah, you can add your opinions. There's still but, a little bit of etiquette that needs to go sure, into this. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes um, the culture can be so ingrained that you don't even realize it. Yep. And it's really like newer people. They're the ones ones sometimes that can tell you more about, well, you know, this is unique to your place. (laughs) They kind Um, of point it out for you. (laughs) Right. Because (laughs) you've been working this way for so long that sometimes you don't even realize it may be a nuance. Right. No, that's true. And I don't want to hog our time in the quad here, but I do have one more question for you guys. (laughs) Is there anything that you can think of, and maybe you have one or maybe you don't, but one thing maybe where just avoid or don't do or that you've seen done and you just cringe, you know, you know, that you want to avoid for a new hire? I do. Um, One thing that kind of struck me right away was information overload. You have so many things you want to get the person up to speed on, which is great. But if you kind of segment out the training a little bit better, then they're going to actually grasp onto those skills more. So I think that's a really big one. That's a good um, one. That can help all around. All right. I would add put in breaks. And I I still say this, you know, uh, you know, a person may need to make a bathroom break. They may want to get a drink of water. Um, it kind of goes to yours with the information overload. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be very intense, just learning, learning, learning. Um, so put in some breaks. And yeah. Let them assimilate breathe. the info. Yeah, like breathe. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm changing mine to let them breathe. <laughs> uh, I think mine's probably in the similar vein of what I talked about earlier, but just avoiding putting that new employee in an uncomfortable situation, especially if you're talking about, Jacqueline, you brought up maybe a team meeting or any sort of group gathering where 
I mean, I think we, not many of us like being in that situation anyway, but now you're the new person. You, again, you might not know what to do. So just, I, I say avoid putting them in a situation that they're going to be uncomfortable with or unfamiliar with. Sure. Um, you know, again, I think those personal interactions are really good in the beginning. So uh, yeah, they're going to be in the team meetings and group functions, but if you can avoid throwing them in the middle of that, I, th- I think that's best. Don't, make, don't have them give a presentation at their first team meeting. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. It's probably a good tip. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, switching gears just a little bit here, Lynn, you actually found an article uh, that France is actually pursuing in the workplace. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I have to admit, this has been a topic of, of conversation all over the radio <laughs> and the TV. So I got this topic quite easily, and I thought it fit well here. So France has some labor unions that are proposing um, rules and regulations that workers cannot um, check their work email um, in an 11-hour span, I Mm -hmm. think, is really what it comes down to. And to the point, at first, when I heard it, I'm like, well, how would they even regulate it? Well, they'd actually regulate it by having the companies turn off their email servers so the email wouldn't even get through. So um, it's generated a lot of interesting discussion, so I thought I'd bring it to the quad and hear what you guys have to say about this idea on, you know, no access to work email (laughs) after work hours. I thought it was kind of interesting. I think, you know, there's so many different scenarios that can come into play here. I think some of the things that they referenced in this article that you brought forward were that, you know, people might be working with other time zones. Mm -hmm. In that case, how are you going to be able to stay competitive in the marketplace as the employer if you don't allow them to do that? That seemed a little bit interesting. They mentioned, you know, that it's important that, um, you know, they're attentive to the health of the employees. If it's a health issue and, you know, a balance issue, I can see where that can come into play. But, you know, that can easily be stretched, too. Um, You know, I think it's important to take a look at the whole picture. You know, what is your customer base? Are you still going to be able to get your job done at the end of the day? And, um, you know, I think that's going to vary per employer and probably per industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way I look at it a little bit with this is is you're sort of attacking um, the smaller portion of like this isn't the big picture to me. You're you're trying to, I don't know, there's a phrase and I can't think of what it is right now in the medical field about you know, solving the symptoms instead of the illness itself, or oh, disease right. itself. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you have the the core of the problem might be here, but you're just trying to touch on these parts, which, okay, then that's the lack of email is just going to turn to something else then, you know, then sure. they're going to go meet late at night or there, and that's not necessarily any better. Because, <laughs> um, and I'm being, a, I'm big on personal accountability and responsibility. Yeah. So if you, if you need to cut yourself off, then you need to do that and communicate with your manager. Like, this is why I don't do this. Um, and maybe that's not the fit. Maybe that place isn't the fit for you. Then you move on. So I think that's the one thing I would say is to regulate all this kind of stuff. I just, I don't think that a lot of times helps because if a, someone has a, a problem, quote unquote, of constantly checking their email or, or constantly working, they're going to do it in another way, most right. likely. Right, um, I agree. And the, the ironic thing to this is, um, I'd seen an article a couple of weeks ago there's a company in France, I believe it's pronounced orange. It's spelled orange, but it's pronounced orange because it's French. Um, but they've had a rash of suicides at their organization, and it has nothing to do with working outside of work. It's all inside, you know, managers and bullying and all that kind of stuff. And it's happened a couple— Oh, my gosh. Right, and it's happened a couple times. But that's my point is— right. 
there's probably more of the issue sure, as opposed right. to, oh, well, they're checking email. Well, is it are they checking email because they're being bullied in some way? And, <laughs> right. Um, so mm-hmm. to me, if you need to go attack more at the core, which is interesting in France because they already have 35-hour work weeks right, as opposed right. to our quote-unquote 40-hour work weeks, which aren't necessarily <laughs> accurate either. Who so. works 40 hours? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, again, I think it's if you really need to get to the core of things. I mean, this can be fine, I guess, but I just think regulating those minor things ends up being just a waste of time in the end. Yeah. I um when I read the article, I thought there was a lot of components actually missing. So it was hard for me to really put together a I don't know, an intelligent response was what I was <laughs> thinking. Um from what information was provided, my position is I don't necessarily think that it needs to be regulated, as Tim said. But it made me wonder, it's coming from somewhere. It's stemming from something. And they're saying it's meaning to establish safeguards for balance. There's there's information missing. What is this really? Is it because, you know, there's like a high suicide rate in Caucasian males who are 50 and higher or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, coming from a, a health background and, list, and thinking of those statistics, older individuals, especially um, Caucasian males, do have a higher risk for suicide. So... Uh, when it comes to their profession. So, um, you know, that's sort of where my mind was going. I'm looking, I'm reading the article. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of information that's missing here. I don't really, based on what I'm given, I don't really know what, what, you know, what would be the, I don't know. I felt like there was holes, but my my thought is it's it's stemming from something, but what is it really stemming from? Mm-hmm. Where is it really coming from? Um, I think you bring up a good point, Tim, if you're you're an adult. If you need to pay, put boundaries and say, I'm, you know, right. my job might require me to work with people in China, in New Zealand, in Australia. Um, but honestly, I'm going to check my email in certain times. And then you have a manager who's saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. Then as an adult, you stand up for yourself and you say, you know, these are my boundaries or you move on to another position. Um, and I also come from, in addition, a different perspective with my one of my girlfriends just moved to New Zealand. She is a financial analyst, was in Manhattan, and she would literally work 20-hour days. She had a toothbrush at the office. Um, she didn't sleep. She gained 30 pounds. Um, you know, just things like that where there were no boundaries and she was just constantly, constantly, constantly working. Um, and why did she do that? Because her clients were in China, mm-hmm. because her clients were in New Zealand, and she had to work oh. the various um, time zones. Yeah. yeah. Um, now she just moved to New Zealand like two weeks ago. <laughs> so, you know, now she's over there and she's working directly with uh, some clients. Um, but, you know, we talk frequently and you know it is it is about health and you know how is she doing but i think the part that throws me off is that it's that they're proposing to regulate it that's mm-hmm. the part that th- that throws me off because when i talk to her and i you know how are things going you know it's her choice right. she loves it right you know well see i know like for me personally when i saw this i was like I like to get caught up on my emails after hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I run into a different situation where I'll have a member on my team who's checking her emails after I do. And so <laughs> I'll go to bed thinking, okay, I'm all caught up. <laughs> I I know where I'm going this in the morning. And then I come in and I'm like, oh, she's in after me. And all of a sudden I had stuff <laughs> where I thought I was caught up, you know, so it's this game. 
Um, but I know in that vein, um, I will get caught up on emails on my own, but I try and minimize my responses so that I'm not doing to others. Like when they come in in the morning, I don't want to flood their inbox. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes that like that can happen to me. So I'm like, all right, I'll respond to them. I know in my head how to respond, but I won't send it until during normal work mm-hmm. hours. You know, with the, with exceptions. But you are. wouldn't be able to read the email if, if. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, they won't even let me read it. And, and, that, and that's the point, which that's is funny. Point. It's so weird, right? And you you hear a lot, of, especially you know, over here in the states now, of trying to find different organizations, you know, flexible hours because maybe people do work better or because their clients are in a different time zone. I mean, these are very valid reasons. Yes. To have off work hours, and I just find it ironic. And I know we're picking on France, of course, but. So you wait, you cut to a 35-hour work week, but now you can't check email after work. Oh, how about you just make it a 40-hour work week and five of those hours can be after work? I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious. That's why I'm like, well, what is the impetus behind this? Is there like some mass suicide among, you know, <laughs> people a particular... who email a lot? Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to <laughs> know, not. like, what is the reason? So I felt like the, there was a lot missing there. Well, but, I, think, um, I think America is enjoying talking about this topic. Of course, <laughs> yeah. probably. <laughs> well, anyway, some interesting topics there, but it is time for us to move on to the next one. And Tim, what did you want to explore? Well, it was a little similar in vein to your topic, Jacqueline, but uh, I've seen a number of articles recently talking about common mistakes that people make when they first became a manager. Okay. And even from individuals who have a ton of experience, and now you look at them and be like, oh, I mean, they have it all together. They must have just been like a savant. And they said, you know, I messed up all the time. I, things that I screwed up for myself, things I screwed up for my direct report. So I just wanted to get all three of your experience and knowledge and, and ask what are some of those common mistakes that maybe crept up on you or that you've seen uh, just to give the listeners some advice if they're thrown into a position like that. I think for myself, I've been managing for a number of years now and I was kind of thrown into it. There was a need <laughs> and you know, there was a team and um, I had to kind of learn as I go. And one of the things for myself, I think that I learned along the ways is I have to be way more detailed about my expectations, about mm. an assignment or a task or what I'm expecting them to do. Otherwise, I can't expect I'm going to get the results I want. And that was kind of early on something that was very challenging for me. Likewise, when you delegate things, the same thing, making sure you're very clear, um, because otherwise, you know, you can't assume that they're going to know what you're looking for. Sure. I think a lot of managers assume people are in their role. They know what they need to do. They're adults. And really, every manager is different. Your expectations might be just a little bit different than the last manager, and they're not going to just know that. I think that's one of the things I learned along the way, as well as, you know, um, really giving them room to make those mistakes and learn from them and, you know, guiding them and coaching them along the way is something that, you know, has to happen for them to develop. And that's something newer managers and myself included, I think, have a hard time with. Mm -hmm. I like the detail portion of it. I think that is big. I know for me, I think that one of the common mistakes or eye-opening thing for me was that it's easy. (laughs) I think a lot of people think, well, I could do my boss's job. You know, mm-hmm. if they would just let me in there, this is how I would do things different. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's like, you know, there's some things it's like, oh, okay, this isn't too bad. And then there's like issues that come out that as a manager, you don't, re- or as a non manager, right. you don't realize some of the issues that can come up. They can be business related, they can be staff related. 
And that's where I kind of struggled. And for me, early on, it helped for me to get a mentor, a peer uh, person, someone on my level, uh, to kind of just bounce off situations. And then I would, in turn, hear situations that they were encountering, and then that's how I learned And then I also learned that, okay, I'm not in a unique situation because I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. (laughs) But then you hear other situations that are going on, and then it's like, okay, this is just part of the job. Mm. This isn't Mm -hmm. how – when they're trying to pitch you, um, if they're trying – and I I was like, I think, a similar situation like Jamie where they were pitching me to become a manager. And I was like, oh, you know, know, they don't tell you all all the stuff. So um, no, it's, I, it's like parenting. They don't, right, you don't yeah. get told all the bad stuff. Well, I tell right, people all yeah. the bad stuff because I think it's important. But uh, <laughs> they just tell you all the nice stuff. Just give them an M&M. They're fine. They're right. fine. Give them some candy. They'll be fine. <laughs> so those are my things. It's not easy. Ask for help. Get a mentor. <laughs> I have three, too. Uh, the big one that I'm still learning is trust but verify. And what I mean by that is trust that they're saying that they're doing what they're saying, but Occasionally, you're going to have to run an audit on their work and circle back with them and make sure that processes are being followed. Um, that was that's actually one that you know, having been a manager for many years, this is one that I'm still trying to get used to because you think, as a manager, I'm managing adults, yep. so of course they're doing their job. Um, <laughs> that's not always the case. Sometimes when you get into like a, a repetition of something, you know, you start to cut corners a little bit here or there. And in six months, I mean, the whole process might be changed. So that is one that I am learning. And I that is my advice to any new manager, trust but verify. Good one. Um, the other thing that I do regularly, it doesn't always work, though, but I you think that it would work, is after you give um, direction to someone – Ask them to repeat back to you what they interpreted. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. And that's Mm -hmm. always nice because what people hear, and, you know, they've done studies on it, so it's not rocket science, but what (laughs) you say, and then there's like a buffer, and they interpret it, and then it's something else. And um, that will come in handy, especially for those difficult employees that you're trying to get to do what you want. And it's interesting when they repeat back, and you're like, that's not (laughs) what I intended for you to understand. So let me clarify. And then those ones that are doing a great job, you know, it's like, okay, perfect. We're on the same page. That's exactly what my expectation is. Um, so doing that one. And then the last one that I I need to do a better job of as a manager, but it's, it's, it's on the forefront of my mind, is be clear to your direct reports about taking initiative. Like sometimes People, people want to just be told what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll go do it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes as a manager, you want that person to like take off and like you tell me or you lead or you do this, um, especially if they're leading a particular assignment, task, project, whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, I take part of the blame because I'm like, maybe they didn't think that they could, mm-hmm. you know. So it's my responsibility to be clear to say this is your project, your baby, you run with it. Um, and that's one of the things that as a new manager, I think that you're going to have to know, you know, go ahead and take a little lead. Don't wait for me to tell you what to do. You can you can go for it. And let's obviously we still collaborate as a team and we touch base and we figure this out together. But you can start moving the process forward. Don't wait for me to tell you. That's good. I so, like that. Ooh. I think you all had great advice there. <laughs> all those listening should be all set. <laughs> Okay. Well, last but definitely not least, and tangentially related to Tim's topic, Jamie, what did you want to discuss? Well, I'm 
always kind of struggling with, you know, the fact that we have all these boundaries when it comes to managing people and making sure that you're an effective manager. And you're not kind of getting too personal with the employees. But on the flip side, I feel like it is really important to know people as people and for them to understand that you know and care about them as a person. So I'm really careful not to, you know, cross those lines. But I would like to know, you know, what types of things do you guys do or have um, you found your managers to do that made you feel good and made you feel like, you know, they really understood you as a person or, you know, you as a manager were able to learn more about your employees. I think it's, it's difficult. And I think it's even more difficult when you have a lot of people that you span across. Um, and it's something that I kind of struggle with. I, um, yeah, this is a tough one. I, I agree with you. It's definitely boundaries. Uh, but I just try to listen to what they talk on a personal level. So if, you know, one of my team members is trying to buy a house and they talk about it, then that is something that I will follow up on. How is the house hunting going? Sure. If one person is has just had a baby um, and they talk about their baby and that's something that they bring up, then I will say, how is the baby? But I don't try to dig and bring mm-hmm. up topics that they don't bring up. Right. If, you know, one of them is into, you know, sports or something, you know, did you watch the game the other day? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just so that they know that you are listening or that you're paying attention. And I don't do it insincerely. Like I sincerely am like, oh, you know, how's the baby or how's the house running? <laughs> but I'm sincerely interested. But I also know that they have boundaries with me too. And I don't want to exactly. them to think that I'm being pushy and all nosy up in their business. So <laughs> I listen to what they say and then I dig off of that. Okay. That helps. Thanks. My um I always made sure that I knew their spouse's names and their kids' names. Okay. So um, my manager had told me early on when I had um, struggled with how to network with people, she says, people with kids always like to talk about their kids. So if Mm -hmm. you just um, ask them about their kids, they'll go running, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, as I always just kind of made it a point to – know kids' names, spouses' names, and then do it, you know. Every person is different in terms of how much they care to talk about it. But just the fact that you show an interest in their family um, know and recognize that they have a life outside of work, that seemed to go a long way. Thank yeah. you. I, yeah, I'm right with both of you. And, um, you know, Jacqueline, obviously you and I work together a lot, and that sort of idea of the personal side has come up. Um, but I'm right with you in sort of letting the direct report dictate how much you're going to talk about. Because, again, I'm big on personal responsibility and accountability. So if they want to share, it's at their own risk. And, you know, as a manager, sometimes it's great to hear that extra stuff. Sometimes maybe you don't want to necessarily know. Uh, and then you have to make a decision there. But, um, you know, Linda, your point too, same same kind of idea. Let 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 them go. Let them talk if they'd like to. Um, and Jacqueline's picked up on me sometimes. If, sometimes I'm very open to share whatever. I mean, for the most part, I'm just like, well, I don't, yeah. you, can, you can know everything you want about me. I don't care. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, wow. I'll tell you about all my family issues. It doesn't matter. But then there are times you might ask, oh, what are you doing? So you go, no, you know, what, yeah. nothing. And then well, that's it. That's it for the personal conversation. So yeah. I, I think that's a big thing. And I, I think with all three of you here, especially, you know, have experience just working with people and understanding, sort of getting that feeling of, okay, we'll, we'll move away from that subject. So I think it probably comes a lot with experience, but I, I think uh, I think the suggestions make a lot of sense. That definitely helps. I think I do a lot of that and I do wait for them to say something. And so sometimes I'm second guessing myself, like, am I not showing enough interest in them if they're not saying anything to me? And that's where I get a little bit nervous. I don't want them to ever think that 
I'm not interested or don't care. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I'm I'm learning too, another thing is, yeah, you think I just became a manager. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to walk around the office and talk to people in different departments. And I have to tell you, the first couple of weeks I was doing it, I was nervous because I'm like, I've never talked to this person other than maybe the first day that they came. And I know nothing about them. And now I want to go talk to them because I'm seen as a leader in the organization. And it's just good to talk to different people. So I pay attention to what's in their cube. And I'm like, oh, who's that? Is that your dog or something? So that has definitely helped me because people like to decorate their workspaces around things that are important to them. And if they're having it for other people to see, then obviously, you know, they're putting it out there to have a conversation. So I've learned about people getting married, people who just got engaged, people going on vacation soon, just based off of what's in their cube. So that was actually something that I learned that maybe That's might help. really helpful. Thank you. I think I'll steal that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I also find that uh, I let them in a little bit too. Like, you know, oh, I went and saw this movie this weekend. You know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, then I appear a little more accessible too. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you start, it's like, oh, I saw that movie too. You know, and and then you like have this common denominator, right? And so then it's um, it kind of evaporates the the work relationship, and then you just can kind of just be people right. with a common interest. That's a good you know, that's just a really to get to to know people. So that's a good one. Opening up first, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, to however you, however much you want to open up. <laughs> <laughs> a lot if you're Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's be surprising what he's willing to talk about. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, on that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up today's quad. And we hope our listeners today can walk away with some tips on helping your new employees transition into their new job. Or maybe you're a new manager or a seasoned one who can apply some of the tips that we talked about today. Or maybe you want to move to France for a new gig. (laughs) (laughs) But if you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LGN Radio Quad, please send us a message at lgnradio at localjobnetwork.com and let us know what you want to talk about next. For Lynn Molitor, Tim Muma, and Jamie Gobel, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. Thanks for listening.